Okay, that was so damn funny, and I wasn't recording, and neither were y'all. <laughs> I mean, I'm recording now. Doesn't count. Let's do this! Dear listener to the QQ Cast, today's Thursday, March 24th, 2022. We're your hosts, about Zach Mayer, and Raul Torres. Say hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen. Correct. And this, dear listener, is Quest. Hold on. Hold on. I had it in my head and I already forgot. 264. Which software has the worst UX? Gentlemen, you wanted, you opted to do a bitch fest tonight. Why? Are you just in a bad mood? I'm the one in a bad mood. Why are you in a bad mood? It's it's easy to talk crap about UI because it's all horrible. <laughs> the best the best part of working in a glass house in a glass industry is throwing stones. <laughs> uh, there was a there was a funny thing I saw recently where it was like um like being a like you know things for a programmer and it was like this if else statement like oh this is this is the worst way to do it like then there was an if with an early return this is a better way to do it and then there was just an empty block of code so this is the best way to do it there's enough apps out there we don't need another app stop writing <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah. okay. so dear listener ux is user experience uh it's basically what is the user interfacing with ux designers are there not just to make something look pretty and not make it functional the way an engineer would but to make it functional for a user to intuit what do i do what do i click on what where does my eye get drawn? There's a whole art to it that is, is very literally art. Um, and I think we're going to bitch about bad UX experiences. Absolutely. But I think it's probably a good idea to, to talk about... Let, let's let's start on a good note. One of the best UX examples that I can think of, and it came to mind recently because I saw somebody make a post about it. Do you remember when the iPhone first came out and there were those like little lighter apps and things <laughs> playing with the I motion do. sensors? I do. Oh, the, like the beer drinking one? The beer drinking one. That one specifically that one. was at one point making $20,000 a day <laughs> after the store cut. <laughs> like, I mean, that's great. It was a dollar or something or two bucks. People for... pretending to drink beer, sure. Yeah, pretending to drink beer. But it was like, this is exactly what you do with this. It's a fantastic user experience. It does one thing and it's fun. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, we don't have to bitch about everything. That was cool at the time. Now it's super kitschy, but still. Well, my, well, my favorite thing was that the lighters were, um, they would be uh, uh, touch controls, right? You'd flick up yeah. to open them up and you'd flick right or left. And that is good UX because it's like, what would you do in reality? Well, I'd use my finger to swipe this up. Oh, it did a thing. Well, what would I yeah. do in reality? I would spin this. Oh, it did a thing. And that is user experience, like by definition. Well, but then, then y'all are bringing up like a very interesting thing to just hit the ground running with is the whole like, uh, correct me if I get this wrong, is the skeuomorphism um, design pattern? Uh, yeah. What now? Skeuomorphic? Y'all know what I'm talking about now? at all? Yeah, it, it's, so it's basically like you design your user interfaces to actually emulate the real world, right? It's like, it's like what Apple did for like the first like version one to like seven or something like that right we're just mm -hmm. like oh the context is like a literal book and it's had like that leather leather feel to it and everything like that and and a lot yep. of the stuff like you know tried to emulate that so it just like by by having your uh, ui basically be a real world you know quote unquote real world aesthetic 
it makes it where it's like there's not really anything that you need to like do to learn how to use it. But that does, you know, that immediately hits a brick wall when you start to do anything more complicated than it's like, this is a book that opens and closes, flip the pages. Oh crap, I need like more intricate hierarchy and design. Guess I can't do that in a book. Oh man, speaking of that, like that specifically, I don't know if you guys ever did, but I have built more than a couple of those like um, flyer apps where it's just like a web app, right? But it has the little drag from the top right corner to turn the page bullshit. Oh, no, I've never done that. (laughs) Oh, man, it was way back in the day. We're talking like more than 10 years ago. More than 15 years years ago. ago. I I still see that with like the the whole like QR codes that are popping up everywhere to look at a menu. Well, Uh, that's it's. That's one thing. Like <laughs> seeing seeing the content in, in your like portrait mode or whatever on your phone is one thing. But this was like back when touchscreen phones weren't that common. Trying to build a web page like that would behave like a newspaper. Gotcha. And in order to flip through the content, you were literally dragging the pages across the screen with your mouse pointer. Ah, <laughs> uh, flash needed to die and it's dead now it did thank 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 goodness that was some technologies just won't die that one did that one (laughs) very definitively died and i'm so happy so happy that it's gone um it was a curse for shit like that because it made it possible not just possible reasonable to do (sighs) and then the javascript libraries came out trying to do the same thing and oh my fucking god (laughs) CSS3 got its hooks into everybody's development cycle and so many shitty libraries because they kept adding things to support animations. Fuck that. Fuck everything about that. Okay, anyway. so okay, so back on the rails a little bit. So really, uh, what was the term used for when you model something after uh, real life? Skeuomorphic, I think. Skeuomorphic. Well, so that was obviously the way a lot of things have started. We just talked about lighter apps or things we're trying to mimic paper. And now, as real life has become apps, now art uh, is, is just imitation. So now the, probably the best way, I'd say the foundational way to do UX, is you start by being derivative, by saying, how does, uh, back when I was in the web world, it was, how does Facebook do this? How does Google do this? How does Amazon do this? Um, you, you be derivative. You say, okay, these... Users have learned when I swipe left and swipe right, this is supposed to happen. Users have learned if I drag down, I expect to see a thing. And so now you develop because those are their instincts. It used to be the instincts of how do I use a Zippo in the real world? And we're getting kind of meta because now it's how do I use a menu in the digital world? Um, yeah, meta. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong. And there's really good reasons to be derivative. Like if you're looking for inspiration and you're looking at the most successful examples in your particular market segment, that's a great idea because the assumption rightly or wrongly, and I think rightly in a lot of cases, you maybe more than others um, historically for like Facebook and Google and YouTube and others has been that they're actually doing user acceptance testing. Like they're taking different versions of their UX or at least models of it, putting it in front of real people and seeing, you know, which gets the best response. Yeah. They do eye tracking and they actually watch what people are looking at. It's it's great. 
and I'm one of the things so so mixed about that that means of testing just because like at one end it is like what gets users to the goal but also like your users can be very wrong and that also blows my mind yeah <laughs> the customer was never wrong well it depends on what you're doing but if you're talking about really specific things like how a slider works or which scroll is more fun you know how we got the bouncy scroll uh on like ios and android how where if you reach the end of the content it kind of keeps going just a little bit and springs back and it feels squishy Mm -hmm. is because somebody thought that was a cool idea and it's the (laughs) dumbest possible thing that you could spend time on but enough people liked it that it's entered the lexicon of design language in a fundamental way and that's true of a lot of things but uh saying that uh or i guess what what we were talking about earlier if you're going to look at examples of things to copy and you're looking at successful ones, you're taking advantage of testing that you may not have the budget, time, or energy to do, or even the expertise to do. And that's not just necessarily like pulling a bunch of people into a conference room and uh, taste testing different products or different aspects of products, but it's also just like, you you remember the stories about Google's A-B testing on the specific shade of blue they used in their logo? Uh, No, I know about Amazon's whole button shape and roundness thing, not about Google specifically. Button shape and roundness. Well, it's another example of the same thing. Like these are, and this is kind of to to Ruli's point a little bit, uh, like A-B testing and to its natural extreme, like A-B-C through Z through double Q, uh, testing permutations of your application can potentially lead you to an optimal solution but you're basically crowdsourcing what uh the hive mind thinks is good or useful or whatever without really understanding why um the well, shade you, of blue you hopefully thing you reverse you create theories and you test those theories it's literally yeah. a scientific method right yeah exactly and the shade of blue thing was um you know mostly out of hey what it, it does color theory actually apply to something like google's homepage? And so they were testing really narrow bands of shades of blue, and they came up with one that had like uh, an abnormally large click-through rate or something. <clears throat> they got a, a big spike in the response criteria that they were measuring. Um, shit like that is just wild. Nobody's going to go through that unless you're Google, uh, unless you have the institutional inertia to support spending time on stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, I know some... Uh... Some, some tests that were done on a web platform I worked on once um, where uh, it might have also been Shades of Blue because this company's logo had blue in it, where just changing the color of like the background or not the, of a button, the background around a button for the shop increased sales by maybe 10%. It was absurd. It was obscene. Um, psychology, man. Humans are yeah. pattern recognition machines. It's stupid what seems to work and what doesn't. But this is a very like... <laughs> it's got ml characteristics right like you're putting inputs out there and you're feeding them through this inscrutable mechanism of public perception and opinion and usage and hoping that the right stuff comes out and you just try different combinations of things until you reach what you think is good enough right maybe not optimal but good enough better than what you had um better is progress yeah that's nuts and it's like trying to build an app with a Plinko machine, which can lead you to weird shit like 
Roel was saying, like the, cust- the people are not always right about what they want. Like it may work for at least a little while, but we're a very short attention span species. <laughs> you can look at the the fluctuations in meme culture over time, and what works today just may make you look chuggy tomorrow. <laughs> You guys heard the the term chuggy before? No. No. It wasn't. (laughs) Well, that's more to the point. This is like the TikTok Gen Z thing for cringe. You guys you guys know what cringe is. I know what cringe is. (laughs) Alright, gentlemen, we've been talking for like uh ten minutes and we haven't bitched about any UX yet. So uh we've now informed dear listener what the hell we're talking about. Let me let me go with an easy one that it's Do it's it. used everywhere. It makes sense, but also it blows my mind. Um, the hamburger menu, mm. mm-hmm. and and it's and it's um, I I I don't think anyone else uses this the term, but I like to call it the the smaller version that is the three ellipses the slider menu because that's a tiny hamburger. Um, I hate those. It's just like it's the juncture <laughs> of like we don't know what we're doing, but this is important. We're gonna just assume that you know that these three lines mean something. Please click on it. I always kind of yeah. called it the context menu. I don't know. That was the hammer menu. The, the mean, hamburger. Hamburger. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like a little sandwich. It's, it's a little. I like the slider menu. I hadn't heard that one before. Um, so many hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is definitely a movement in UX circles to kill the hamburger menu as a thing, and it's one of those things that evolved from this adverse sort of relationship between what people do and it, this is this is ux training the users instead of the other way around like it probably should be that's what um, I say. somebody came up with this thing as like hey what if we have this drawer of extra shit <laughs> and instead of putting the word menu on it they needed something smaller and squarer so they're like well iconography is a thing hamburger <laughs> yeah you know, uh Zach, you just said it's training the, sorry, the UX training the user as opposed to the user, user training the UX. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm not a UX person and there are literally UX circles and people who do this professionally are very good at it. Um, but I, I feel like every time I've seen these experiments to like, let's change the paradigm in the UX, they don't usually take, I'm thinking a lot of Metro and the Microsoft Windows uh, revamp back with, which was that eight? Was that, I forget what that was. Um and, like, it just doesn't work. Like, I feel like if you're going to try to get rid of something, you have to replace it with something organic. Something else has to work better. But, but again, whether you like it or to, not, things to are like, taught to people and they become intuitive. Well, it's, like, something like the Windows operating system, right? It's, like, it hit, like, this threshold where it's one thing that it's, you know, managing files and everything else. But now it's just, like, you've got to go to a menu to disable the ads that display on your loading screen. Right. It's just like so much feature creep, right? That it's just, you get to the point where it just like, you kind of go from that doing one thing well to like doing a lot of things poorly, but the poor things still make money. So we're going to just do something to control it somewhere. Um, yeah. And I think those are like those, those bigger hills, right? In the sense of like, you got to keep adding, you got to keep adding. Um, I think a good example for, for me that always drives me crazy has been like Dropbox's evolution. Um, I love their software. It was just a simple, it's just like, you know, here's this, you know, app that's going to run in the background and sync files. And now it's just like, 
hey, you, you know what we want to do? We want to replace your, your file browser because we have your file. So we should, you know, have that rather than just going through the operating system. And it just, it's a mess now. They've got like text editors and all this other junk that I just, I don't want it. Yeah. So, no, that stuff is fucking nuts. Um, and that's a good illustration of, of your point. Like if you're trying to do too much um, yeah, or even if you're trying to do a lot, uh, the internal organization of the group that is producing that experience is going to diverge sharply from the lived experience of actual users. And that's just familiarity with the inner workings of the thing mean that you have to be really crystal clear in your delineation of what each part actually is, even if they're fundamentally the same or, you know, the difference doesn't matter to the end user. When you start making distinctions that start to not have significant meaning in the design language of your product, you've gone too far and you need to rein it in. Um, I can definitely see that in things like, um, well, Windows is another good example, but I'm trying not to pick on them. Um, well, Facebook, actually. Uh, <laughs> The Facebook application for like mobile devices has changed significantly and sometimes dramatically over time since it was first introduced. The thing that kills me about stuff like that, and you see it with Windows and a lot of other software that's widely adopted, is because the experiences have trained users, any change that you make breaks that training and people get mad at you. So, yeah, that's not a great thing yeah, but it's a hard thing to avoid people were bitching at the last tesla update because it changed so many things and it quote ruined their muscle memory and well i i had to agree that i thought it was like tesla's ui wasn't scaling very well so uh consolidating a lot of their configuration and adding the new touch bar that's customizable at the bottom or the icon or app bar at the bottom is customizable i felt like it was two steps forward and one step back but people were pissed even though i think it was overall good change so I'm not a Tesla user per se, but I do remember be. reading about an update <laughs> that they put out that was, um, <clears throat> you know, they, they, there's the standard buttons, button array for things like turning on your rear defrost and, um, you know, adjusting climate controls and potentially, I guess, turning on your emergency flashers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, yeah, and that, well, okay, yeah, the emergency flasher should be a button. That's right. good. But uh, things like your, your climate control and your defroster used to be in that bottom bar with the same iconography as any other car. Yeah, and now and they're then in it that was, menu. And then it was moved behind a menu. So it was like two taps to try and get to that stuff. Uh, somebody was wrote an article about that and was like, that kind of UX change is a safety hazard. <laughs> like this is the kind of UX that could get somebody killed because they're not paying attention anymore. Mm. But yeah, that's that's the muscle memory thing. I think you were saying. All Ugh. right. Well, let's let's keep going in the circle. Uh, Ruli, was your example Dropbox, or did you start with something else? I mean, I can I can stick with that. I, I've got another one that I can hold, play hold, all day about. Hold your horses. Hold your okay. horses. Okay. We got to go in a circle. We take turns here on the QQ all cast. Right, we play right. nice together, kids. Zach, what you got? Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that has gotten a lot better, like broadly across industries, um, is consistency. 
And like, yeah, there's been a lot of cases where our designs are training users, but that training has stuck in ways that the hamburger menu is a universal thing. Um, the way that we look at tabular information has, you know, predates most of our experiences, but, um, you know, how scroll bars should work and all that good stuff. <clears throat> uh, pop-ups. Fucking pop-ups. <laughs> the guy who invented those is dead now, I think. So, that's a thing. Anyway, uh, consistency is the theme, right? And we've seen broadly a trend towards pretty consistent design language across experiences. So when you see an app that has several different fonts, many different types of buttons and language for like colors for what a primary, secondary, tertiary action are, when you see apps that have radically different tabular designs all meshed together, and that it, it doesn't just break consistency with the larger UX design ecosystem. It breaks consistency within its own internal structure. You have to look at it and go, what the fuck are you doing? And that's Steam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are so many different like ways that Steam does tabs within its app. I don't know how many fonts they use. Just what the fuck are they doing and it's i want to say that it's getting better but i really don't know that it is I'll, i think I'll it's probably, different i'll probably use that picture you sent me as the image the for this qq cast because <laughs> yeah i didn't realize how fucked up that was that is it's so <laughs> fucked up it's fucked up so dear listener usually you create what's called a style guide for an application and that style guide will include for instance buttons here's the high emphasis button here's the not Here's some different colors. You usually don't say that as red, green, or blue. You say that as error or warning or info um, so that that way it doesn't imply things in the, for the user experience. And you have this kind of finite set of combinations for buttons and sizes and fonts and what have you. Oh, boy. Steam looks like someone rolled some dice. Like, it is. Uh, I did not realize it was that egregious. But, yes, I don't even know what the most. I, I think, like, the, the optimal number of fonts to have is, like, three or like five on the outside because you want to have want... things for narrow text versus wide text. But like Steam has 20. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ideally you have one and then you have like the thick version of it. So like Arial and Arial Black might be good choices. Maybe you have a third that is, you know, slightly smaller for things like the copyright in your footer. That should be it. Like, Three is already pushing it. And really? I, Thoughts? Did I send that straight to you? Because I'm looking for it now and I can't find it. Uh, you did, I think. I, I, I mean, there are styles and guidelines. Um, I don't, I don't know that stuff good enough. I just pick someone's style guide and be like, "Hey, is, is what website makes sense or what UI framework is out there?" That's the most popular one, you know, it, it was bootstrapped for a while. Now it seems to be like uh, the, what is it? The Google's material design thing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like messing around with this. I, I'm, I'm fine having a side project or something I work on look a little derivative, but at least it doesn't look like a trash fire, which I'm totally okay with. <laughs> yeah, I think we've moved away finally, unless, uh, okay, I, I'm going to say this without like actually vetting oh it boy. but i feel like we've moved away largely as like 
a collective group of you know, UX and UI engineering people from needing to be unique in every single way, like needing to be super bespoke. That's not true everywhere. I'm sure there are little boutique operations, uh, you know, things that are no, I, highly design focused. I need my user focused. to know how to click on the damn button. That's what I need. I don't need to be right. unique. I need them to know how to use my damn button. But I've seen a lot more and even like uh, large entities producing applications that just say material is good enough and they might customize the colors. And that's about as far down the the tweak path that they go. Um, used to be, at least in places that I've seen, you had to take material as a base customize the shit out of it because everything had to be unique it shouldn't <laughs> it should be material but it shouldn't look like material and that's just fucking wrong <laughs> i'm starting to get bored with material personally yeah so am i but also i don't know what the other options are yeah i mean there's like there's lots of options now for like lay foundational layout tools um and that just really do like you know, a flex box or what's the new one? Um, I don't even know. Yeah. It, it, it's it's hidden the critical mass that Bootstrap has, where you see it and you'd be like, mm -hmm. "This is a Bootstrap site." Yeah, they're not. They don't. It, it, it's it's funny because it's like the, my next thought is almost like they don't care about design. They just want to do something real quick, which is perfectly acceptable. Been there, done that. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, same. Like, there's there's so many wheels out there. We don't really need to invent all of them every time that we produce something could we um, not that'd be lovely yeah but there's still an experience that goes along with that because these are building blocks right and putting them together in a way that makes sense is still a thing that you have to be able to do allegedly yeah well it's not ui design it's user experience <laughs> the interactive parts are the most important part of that okay so let's Let's keep going around the circle here. Uh, I will bitch real quick about Workday. Gentlemen, do either of you use Workday in your companies? I have heard I've of Workday. I've never heard of it. It is the single worst UX experience I've ever seen. Um, just to rattle off a couple of things. There are types of uh, links and material in the, in the site you cannot find unless you use the search engine. There is no way. So like when I'm doing management reviews, if I want to actually like see my entire team's set of reviews there's no way to do that with actually searching or same thing with like compensation you have to search there's no way to click into a menu it's like if you don't know the magic words to type you don't find it um when you, you go to request searches no oh that's fucked up right um when you go to put in time off there's uh like it's not just a there, there's like a calendar view but if you want to view your time off you click add so you can see the calendar view it's like why isn't the calendar view just in the front uh, another one of my major pet peeves, and it's all over the, it's all over Workday, is no two way, like, there's no way of looking at something is the same. It's there's like three different ways to view like your reporting structure. There's three different ways to like view. Oh, who's in my team? There's different. It's like reusable controls. Like sometimes it's a list. Sometimes it's a uh, like a horizontally scrolled list. Sometimes it's a tree view. Sometimes the tree view puts multiple things on the screen. Sometimes it auto scrolls. It's so unbelievably inconsistent and it drives me insane Ugh. How, i'm glad you how, haven't had how, day. how relatively new is this product i think it's fairly old like all hr software like it's like the one that survived and really ugh. so this is like 
a runs native kind of application. This isn't like in your web browser, is it? This is in the fucking web browser, which is why you think it takes even more effort to be this bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right? that's nuts. Oh, okay. Let so, me let me tell you. I'll I'll so, finish pitching. So you about made work. me think of something. I'm, I'm going to put a link in the chat just because this is your favorite UX. It's going to read the thing to you. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it next, but I think I will circle back because this this is reminding me of this story very, very much. But okay. keep going. Okay, well, I'll I'll wrap up my bitching about Workday <laughs> just by saying my favorite thing. So when you write reviews, uh, they give you a, a a view of web page where there's you know boxes that are stacked vertically, but someone decided to hard code the max width in the CSS to an arbitrary number. I think it was like 620 pixels. So it doesn't matter how wide your monitor is. These text so boxes... That's as wide as their monitor is. That's all they could afford. Exactly. And like the whole QA team. So uh, I always go in and edit the CSS manually. I have Tamper Monkey uh, fuck with it for me. Nice. To change that to be instead of max, uh, max width 620, it's max width like 95%. And I'm happy. The funniest fucking thing though is that one of my direct reports uh, likes to use bulleted lists and indent them. If you indent the bulleted list three times it can no longer fit the text. So it's all just a single character column just going down the screen. And I'm like, oh my oh God, no. you can't read it. Oh no. And it's because someone decided to hard code the value of 620 pixels into, into CSS. Like just who didn't file this bug? Who didn't change this? Like it's just CSS. It's just one line. You could put a min and a max. You could put a percentage and a max. Like, I don't understand how that's still a thing. Um, oh, yeah. God, Workday is the worst UX ever experienced. Okay, Ruli, back to you, buddy. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm just going to jump into this one because it's a good segue. Um, so I, I sent you all a link to this article. I remember reading it a while back, but um, I think it is a little relevant what, you're, what you were saying in the sense of this new weird pattern that is going a little bit more with one search bar to rule them all. In some cases, I like it. In some cases, I don't. So, I mean, obviously, it's been on the Mac. I think I've been seeing it more in Slack. I think it's also happening in AWS, right? But it just now, like, don't try to figure out the hierarchy for things. Just name the product that you want and go with it, right? So, I mean, it's it's a pattern that kind of works, right? But yeah, I think... I think it works well in Slack because it auto-fills in the prefix for the search if I'm in a chat with you when I click search. It'll be like, oh, in Raul Torres, and I can backspace that out, but it it auto completes some of it, which I think is really nice. Yeah. So so um, this article is basically highlighting how um, professors and teachers are having this problem with with students in the sense of they don't really understand a hier hierarchical folder structure. Like it just doesn't make any sense to them to like how to organize information or anything like that. And being, you know, use, using, I'll go back to Dropbox, you know, using things like Dropbox and stuff like that, you kind of get to a point where it's just like, you have too much info to organize. You're just going to try to give it a descriptive name and just throw everything in the same folder. You know, Google, Google Drive kind of forces that a little bit, you know, it just, I think a lot of things are slowly going in that direction just because trying to come up with some system that makes any sense, you know, what like you know i i look at like the, the evolution of like where i save my taxes so like i have huh. some folder that's like taxes dash you know then the year and then the year then taxes and then another folder that has taxes <laughs> and then the year under it and i'm like i know all the information's there i know okay, i can put some search together and vaguely get to what i need to but it just like 
I get it. The cognitive overload of trying to organize stuff is just, we have too much things to organize. Just just search for it. Does, just index yeah. it and call it a D- day. Does it make us old, though, to like folder structure? Because I still love I, folder structure. And well, yes, within that it, folder does, structure. it does make you old, oh, Tom. Yes. So. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a really, really good example of what you were talking about at the beginning, really skeuomorphic design, mm-hmm. folders and files. Like, yeah, of course, that makes more sense to an older generation that didn't have computers or maybe worked with a filing system before dealing with computers, that hierarchical structure of having stuff in other stuff. I'm, I'm literally looking at a filing cabinet right in front of me, and that has folders <laughs> with names in it, by the way. Yeah, but like, um, you know, I, I, I see myself kind of devolving. I'm, that, that sounds derogatory almost like there's nothing inherently good about the file folder structure like yeah hierarchy okay but why is hierarchy important it's um a way for us to naturally organize and relate things i guess but you can get that without needing a strict hierarchy and a we, good example we literally that i have do that with humans yeah literally that's sure <laughs> that's what it casts them as a monarchy it's literally layers yeah Management no layers chairs. layers and layers of things but um, you can get meaning out of your data or your collection of stuff without needing to organize it in a hierarchical way. And a good example of that is your, uh, like, your phone's photo gallery. Like, sorting by date is a pretty natural thing, and you could consider that maybe hierarchical. But if you break from that, searching for photos without ever having tagged them, search for cat or dog, uh, you can find most things pretty quick, and it keeps getting better. Far from perfect. Far from perfect. My, um, but that's an example. Like you don't necessarily need to folder folderize everything to still get at your stuff. Yeah, I was I was going to mention kind of the the evolution of photo album application stuff, and and I will say, um, Google and I think the iPhone does it as well now. Is um, the best feature that a lot of people don't know about is searching for photos that you took by location since everything is oh, tagged yeah. by gps well except for you tom i, I um, disable all that shit and i hate to i hate to admit it it's very hard to find my photos mm-hmm. oh man i love yeah. finding photos by location it's so good it's so it's so helpful and, and like for me like like i there's a subset of people that i've talked to like like basically take pictures for notes all the time did, did you so boys like, ever send someone a dick pic with a, a gps cord <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got lat lawn in one line. Six digits on each. Bold, double space. No. Um round up the significant digits act. <laughs> so like I'll I'll take pictures of notes or something, right? So I'm like, oh yeah, what what book did I want to search for? I'm like, okay, I was at Barnes and Nobles just browsing stuff and I took a picture of this thing. I'm like, oh hey, that's that's what I remember. That's my note. So um, I think that that metadata on the photos is pretty awesome. They're, oh. they're tracking all of it, and it's horrible, but it, it's helped me. Yeah, no, being able to take a picture of things. Uh, I don't know if are you guys both. Yeah, Tom's using Android. You you using mm-hmm. Android really? Uh, I've I have the I have an iPhone, but like I I use Google Photos. Like I have like everything backed up on Dropbox and Google Photos yeah, just duplicate because I take a fair. shit ton of pictures. Uh, one of the things that I love about my phone in particular i gotta assume that ios does the same thing is you can scan documents with your camera and it'll just ocr it and then you can search for text in your photos that is in that ocr'd uh image and it'll find the image just like that 
Like that shit's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. it makes it makes sense. Like if you think about it for even a split second, of course, of course, you would be able to search who, for text who, in your who photos. Made the, who made the quote of if you know those who p- trade uh, privacy for freedom deserve neither? Uh, that's a quote. I just don't know who said it. It was freedom for security. Ah, uh, that's the one. But um, yeah, I don't remember who said it either. Anyway, I mean, I I hear you, but also random snapshots of everything that I take pictures of. I, it's what, what are they going to do with that? I can't A/B test that cacophony <laughs> of pictures. Yeah, no. Oh, as God. as soon as I need to hide from the government, all of my phones will be going into a ditch somewhere. But <laughs> until then, it's I called don't last really exact. care. Yeah. No, I I. I am absolutely a slut for convenience. It, if, if it's convenient, yeah. No, you can have my social security number. What are you going to do with it? Uh. All right. I think, gentlemen, I think we have a hard stop in the not too distant future. So I'm going to keep us going. So, sure. uh, Zach, did you have did you have one more? Uh, yeah. I mean, I want to talk about it in the abstract, but um, fuck AWS. Yeah, what? So I kind of give them a pass because they've. They're this amalgamation, right, of all these different tools and services. Uh, I remember it not being the best UX, but what what's your beef? Explain. So you you remember you were talking about uh, Workday, right? And yeah. how its UX was terrible and you can't do things like save your searches or find things except for with the, the magic passphrase, right? Yep. Uh, a big driver of designs like that or products like that is um, very bottom-up oriented development. So you start with uh, an API or a collection of services. Hopefully, they're organized in such a way that they can be extended in order to support whatever your UX wants to do with those things. Often, they're not. And things like Workday scream, we built the function to do the thing, and we're not changing <laughs> it or adding to it. You well, just they have say to kind form of deal follows functions, so you almost make that a compliment. Well, yeah... But it's no. not true if your form <laughs> sucks. <laughs> and it's really not true if your form wasn't built to be a UX in the first place. Like, if you're not building your API to be consumed as an API, like an open API, then your form's terrible. And you should be ashamed of yourself. AWS did a similar thing. Their first target for the things that they produced is a command line interface like that's the first thing that gets all the new updates after that maybe the sdk will follow sort of kind of but it's going to be fundamentally based on whatever the cli was meant to do so once you have the api saying all the things that i love i love cli tools let them work yes yes but starting with the cli means you're building an experience for the cli and that experience doesn't translate one to one with your web console. Experience. When did I become when did I become the Linux guy here who's Captain Command Line? When when did this madness happen? No, I mean I'm not disagreeing. Like the command line is important and it's a it's a big deal and it's very, very useful. But taking the same experience that you have with the command line and applying it to your visual interactive web based <laughs> console doesn't always work very well. But, I mean, I I don't know the distribution numbers, but what percentage of folks do you think spend a majority time of their time in the UI 
and not in the CLI or what I've been going through, which I, I I'm in the loathing stage because I'm not super comfortable with it just yet. But in like Terraform, mm. it just like yeah. it's it's the the UI is basically just like there because you probably need some non-technical person or someone in like you know you know some other sea level think- sweet person just be like hey look at this thing we built oh you see it's a queue there you go you can see it there okay yeah, I, think, mm-hmm. I think these are two very different use cases right because like the the CLI tool straight up is for power users the you know templating and using Terraform or other tools are for you know true infrastructure I'd, I'd say like that's what an actual reliability team is going to build and then Using the UI itself is, I think, like, you know, very high-level tooling around or first-time or, you know, again, the, the independent use case. Um, yeah. Sure. It's all very well, different. Well, well, then also they've got the um, – I forget what their, their cloud management stuff is. I forget the exact name. But, like, you can create infrastructure in, like, Python or JavaScript. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's like, so many different interfaces now in the sense to use the product that it's just, like, I get why UI is the last because – there's just so many other things they're focusing on. Yeah, which absolutely. I would I would prioritize that for a cloud platform too. But hundred percent. That doesn't excuse bad UX. But yeah. yeah. No, no, and you're not wrong. Like none of what we're talking about is necessarily a problem, but it is bad UX once you get up to the web console part. Most so of I, the time, I, when you're using that, you're dealing with trying to identify what your resources are, set policies, and maybe do a little bit of light administration. It's bad at that. It's legit bad at finding your resources, relating those resources, and identifying which resources are affected when you do something. That shouldn't um, be the case. My um, my favorite right now um, horrible UI thing that I hate about Amazon is um, the iconography. Oh, yeah. No, they came Have up with their like- own hieroglyphics. Yeah, and it's just like 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 there's some things like because I'm looking at the stuff for like database stuff, but mm-hmm. like like okay, I guess uh, the lightning bolt is Dynamo, sure. Um, this like graph thing is Neptune, sure. Time stream, it's just like there there's just so many other things. Like what is what is their ones for their queue? They just have so many like silly little little things that don't mean anything to anyone if you were to look at it and not know what it is. I'm looking at their their IoT stuff. It's just a bunch of bunch of circles and lines together mm-hmm. who knows what any of this stuff means yeah um that that's always driving me crazy yeah i mean azure's a lot better google's is worse somehow but uh, <laughs> uh and then there's there's oracles which i am not i'm going to mention but not say anything about uh <laughs> so yeah I, I don't know it's it's a very top or it's a very bottom-up uh, implementation for a user experience. And the primary driver of that experience is absolutely the CLI. That should be the thing that people are spending the most time with. It's the thing that needs to be at least a reasonable, if not pleasant, experience to use. Uh, it needs to be consistent in the ways that a user experience should be consistent. Um, and I think AWS and most others are you know, pretty good at that. Uh, taking it up to your SDKs and your, you know, experience powering services should <clears throat> include, uh, should include that front end UX design touch just to look at it and say, okay, we've got all of these 
great little functions and tools, and we need just a little bit of sugar on top to make a great experience out of them. But if you're not even taking that last step of saying, okay, what else do we need to make the UX in our <laughs> in our UI make sense, you're going to end up with something that is maybe useful, but has a lot of the idiosyncrasies that have grown organically in other parts of your system downstream that just don't make sense anymore once you're at that UI in that UI space. Okay, well we are we are quickly approaching time and I want to do one news headline with you guys. So really, I am going to I, forfeit my can last I do one more? Yes, I'm going to forfeit my last one. I was going to bitch about Google Keep and praise Trello. Really, I'm going to give it to you. You get to bitch about one more thing. I look at text messages every day and I don't know which one's mine. I don't. I never understood why the right side is is yours because I don't read right to left. I read left to right. Are you dyslexic? Maybe, but why? Why? I've never understood why. Why the the right side is the you side? There is a ridiculous amount of wasted space in the text messaging format. Let's agree on that. Yeah. Yes. Is this yeah. all we have to say about text messages? Well, I, I blame AIM. <laughs> yeah well at least aim had like the name on it and everything like i just it's, i i don't know i just it's it's annoying it always drives me crazy i'm like who's talking who said that oh i guess it was me there's that makes me want to do like a deep dive on that in particular because i feel like there's a reason that it is the way it is but there very well may not be a reason that your messages are on the right that may have just been ios did it that way and everybody else followed yeah, like because um, I'm looking at our Slack chat. I like the Slack chat one because I know who's talking when. And then this other one is just like context switching of like looking at a conversation and knowing what's on what side. Mm-hmm. I looked at Google's messaging app. It's the same thing where it's just like your messengers are on the right side. But I could have swore there was some other app that had it on the left side. And after that happened, like I always question like, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably IRQ um, or ICQ. ICQ. Uh, oh, that that's old school. Yeah, what, right. What's your ICQ number? Yeah, you remember that? I have no idea. I have no idea what my <laughs> number is. I had so many because I never remembered. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the the wasted space thing. Like, there's absolutely a case to be made for the impact and value of negative space, just in a content consumption uh, sort of discussion. But yeah, in phone text messaging, it's why why are the why are the bubbles so fucking big and shiny weirdly um yeah all right gentlemen well i want us to do one thing for the news but before we get there as always we have to have our sponsor and by always i mean like you know the last month since we changed the format after these messages we'll be right back gentlemen today's qqcast is brought to you by zach's favorite user experience amazon yay amazon it's how you visit Oregon a little bit every day. EC2. It's how you. It's how Jeff Bezos computes his Bitcoin all night while the servers aren't in use. Amazon. It's more than just a package. It's. I don't know how to make a joke about bad UX. Eh. It's fine to hate on Amazon and AWS because they're the leaders for almost everything in the cloud. Still, it's punching up, <laughs> and it's going to be punching up for the foreseeable future they can take it azure's trying google's not really trying but that's neither here nor there all right gentlemen let's get to the news go 
yourself, San Diego. Uh, Zach Ruley, I'm dropping a link in the chat for you. What do you think we're going to watch? We're going to watch a thing. We're going to watch a thing. Ooh. I don't know. I'm just going to click it and be surprised. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I thought I didn't think it was going to be that because I'm like, why would it be that? But it is that. Oh, great. The Winter Soldier. I like how there's teasers for the teasers of the trailer. Right. The Winter Soldier. Just in case you didn't know. Zach, what, what are we watching? Can you tell, dear listener? Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That was a sick ringtone on his flip phone. Very self-referential. No, my God. Oh boy. Wait, is, was his ring what he was wearing? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, <laughs> Lord, there are two of them now. Okay, quick version. Robotnik is back. I like the self-referential Sonic music. I discovered the source of ultimate power. Oh my god, the Chaos Emerald. Also, I love mustache twirling Jim Carrey. Yes. You rock some kind of... Space porcupine. I am an echidna warrior. Hmm. God, I love over the top Jim Carrey. Goodbye to humanity. Oh God, he's Magneto. <laughs> this is your moment to be the big hero. Bad time to say this, but I don't actually have a plan. Hey, you got a little something on your... Uh, blade. Someone call an Uber? It's cold in here. Let's turn up the heat. Hey! Extreme sport Wow, we're hog. literally doing the, uh, the surfing level. Or the snowboarding level. Because oh, why not? Yes. Fear not, citizen. You are terrible at this! Your negative attitude is not helping. We stick together, no matter what. You're unskilled. <laughs> Untrained. I... I like it, Golf but also... Drifting. like I feel like this is all the best parts of the trailer. Type of trailer. Oh, best parts yeah. of the movie trailer, yes. Yeah. What is this, like two and a half minutes? It's yeah. pretty long. So I, I, would, I would take a guess that the only thing that they saved is maybe Gold Sonic. I think that would be the only thing that they could put in oh. this that would be cool. Hold on, it might happen here. Really bad at punching. Uh, the April ring 8th. Sound. That ring sound makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely way higher budget than the first one. The first one was like, we're going to do CGI in a small town because that's going to save us money. This is a little more CGI intensive. But they also didn't have to, you know, remake the whole thing because the, the bad Sonic design. True. True. They've I got still think reason. that was a gimmick. It, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's one of those harmless conspiracy theories. Yeah, I, I think, okay, I think we were all surprised by how much fun we have the first Sonic movie. And I gotta say, this one looks like even more fun. So whether or not it is actually good, it looks fun. Damn it, Zach, I'm in. It looks like a really good bad movie. And those are those are just a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm in. Really, do you want to get the last word? No, I'm good. The correct I answer was coconut. Coconut? <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> was that the wordle? Uh, damn it. All right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about 
Guys, we have a backlog. We finally have a backlog. Uh, Zach, was it you who picked this out of the backlog? I was amazed. Yeah. Topics. It's yeah. great. We didn't spend 20 minutes waffling on what to talk about. <laughs> I know. So we'll be back to talk about uh, stuff, things, and as always, maybe some news. There might be a new trailer. Oh, yeah, Who knows? I, Who cares? Right. I may or may not be out. Oh, shut up. All right. I'm, I'm, tra- I'm traveling next week. Oh. I'm actually doing some traveling. Where are you going? Oh. Tell to your listener. Oh, to Dallas for work. That doesn't count. Yeah, I know it doesn't count. Please, but it's, please it's... go to First Chinese Barbecue and send me pictures. I may. I miss that place. So good. Or Hard Eight Barbecue. Oh, so good. Oh, man. Me- yeah, Mexico closed. You can't get a mojajete there anymore. So sad. Mm. So sad. Anyway, Zach Ruley, thanks again, y'all. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. And all right, dear listener, until next time, we have the best user experience for your QQs. That, that wasn't terrible, actually. That was okay. Yeah. Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that any views expressed on the podcast should be taken in context and are representative solely of the person expressing them. They are not representative of their friends and family, their co-hosts, their co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. So again, thank you for joining us, and thanks for respecting our individuality. I just got bored. Everybody out.